If Jesus asked to get into your boat, would you say yes? If Jesus asked for you to leave everything and follow, would you say yes? Sometimes when we think of the calling of the disciples, the other gospel writers kind of tell the story in this way. Jesus walks along the shore, sees the fishermen and says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they say, okay. And they leave everything and they follow Jesus. That just sounds kind of odd to me though. And while I know that we are called as disciples or followers of Jesus to take big steps or big risks, do you ever just notice it's kind of a weird story? Hey, follow me. I'm sure. And they just leave everything and go. And there's a part of me that's like, I don't know if I'd be ready to do that. See, I love Luke's account of Peter's calling. I'm not a Bible scholar, but last time I checked, Luke chapter 4 comes before Luke chapter 5. Am I right? Correct. Thank you. Okay, so the thing you need to know about Luke chapter 4 before Luke chapter 5 is that Jesus preaches a sermon in his hometown of Nazareth. They don't necessarily, you know, respond well to it. I mean, they literally try to throw him off a cliff. So he's like, yeah, Nazareth is not going to be the home base anymore. So he settles now into this region called Capernaum up by the Sea of Galilee or up by, as Luke 5 tells us, the, the Lake of Gennesaret. So He's there in this region, and he actually comes across and meets this guy named Simon, who we know as Simon Peter. Now, Simon actually invites him into his house. Jesus is in Simon's house, and Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. Now, put an end to all the mother-in-law jokes that are running through your mind right now. Hit pause on those and stick with me. And so Jesus is in that region. He's teaching people. He's healing people. And all of this happens before this story of where Simon is called. Simon Peter was aware of Jesus. And for me, I think it's important to remember that awareness of Jesus and following Jesus can be different things. You see, there's parts of my life where I want to just keep an awareness of Jesus, that Jesus is kind of like, you know, I know who Jesus is, I know what's going on, but honestly, are there situations in your life where you're like, I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if I'm ready to follow you there. I, I, I like the idea, I like the Jesus that like I know and I'm aware of, but you know, this whole asking me to do hard things, I don't know if I'm ready to follow yet. Well, the good news is, is that this is part of the human experience. And while we may not connect as much as the, hey, follow me, and then all of a sudden they go, which again, we're called to do sometimes. I love this part of Luke chapter five, right? Simon Peter is aware of Jesus. In fact, he knows, had him in his home, healed his mother-in-law. And there he comes back after a night of fishing. The boats are kind of over here and he's there washing the nets. And here comes Jesus onto the scene. And this is what he says. You know, he, he basically is like, can I get in your boat? Can I get into your boat? Uh, yeah, sure, why not, right? And what does Jesus do? He gets in the boat, he kind of pushes just a little way off the shore, and he begins to teach the crowds. Now, I could just imagine Peter saying, yeah, not a problem, like, you know, thanks again for the mother-in-law stuff, I owe you one. Go ahead, you, yeah, sit in the boat, you know, go ahead, teach from there, that's cool, we'll be on the shore. Now, remember, he was mending his nets, 
So he's like, okay, I'm just going to stay over here because I have to do my job. And preacher, you do your preacher stuff. Because preacher, I don't think you understand, you know, what work is really about. Because Jesus, you work one day a week, okay? So I'm going to be over here mending the nets, doing real life stuff. Um, and you do the preacher stuff because don't worry, I'm listening, Jesus. Don't trust me. I'm listening. I can mend the nets and listen to you because men are notoriously good multitaskers, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's what's happening. This is what I love about Jesus. He knows us enough to invite us to just take a step with him. Because I don't know about you, but that was an easy step for Peter. Peter, can I get in your boat? And can we just push off a little bit from the shore? Yeah, sure, why not? Everybody leaves. You know, Jesus does his preacher thing. Everybody leaves and he right, turns to Peter and he says, yeah, let's go deeper. You want to go out a little bit deeper and go fishing? Uh, yeah, stay in your lane, Jesus, okay? <laughs> I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing here. I mean, this was his cordial way of basically saying, Jesus, you don't know anything about this. <laughs> you know, we've worked all night. We've caught nothing. Now, here's, here's the fascinating thing. He says this next part of the verse, but because you say so. He, he still, you know, how many times in our lives do we say, Lord, you just don't understand what I'm going through right now. You don't understand what I'm facing. Yet can we also, like Peter, have this moment of realization to say, but because you say so. And I love that because it shows me that reluctant obedience is still obedience. Congratulations. There's a lot of things in our lives as disciples that we just don't want to do or that we do reluctantly. You know, last time I checked, loving your enemies, not that fun, kind of hard. But is there something about us that we say, but because he says so. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So. Because you say so, Lord, oh, okay. And they go, and as much as Peter tries to convince Jesus that he doesn't know anything about fishing, he reluctantly obeys, and they go out and they drop the nets. And you know, here comes a miraculous catch of fish. Now, how does Peter respond to this? Often the same way that we do it. You know, as much as we would expect for Peter to celebrate and to be, you know, absolutely wild about this awesome catch of fish, he has this fearful response. And he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Interesting. Go away from me, Lord. I mean, what's Jesus going to do? Is going to be like, oh, okay, Peter, sure. Yeah, not, not a problem. I'm just going to dive off the boat and swim to shore. But no, you, you get what he's saying here. I can't be in your presence. Because in this moment, somehow Simon Peter sees Jesus for who he is. And then when he sees Jesus for who he is, he sees himself. And his first response, much like ours when we see Jesus for who Jesus is and clearly seeing ourselves, is we think that there's a strong disconnect there. That Jesus is Jesus and we obviously are not, so we cannot abide his presence. 
We cannot be there. And we say, Lord, just, just go away. I can't be with you. I am a sinful man. And there's a part of Jesus that we see time and time again as he's sitting and eating with sinners and tax collectors, as he's talking with people, as he's including people into this message of the kingdom of God, a Samaritan woman. You know all of these stories that you see within the story of his life and death and resurrection that we see in the Gospels. All of these stories. You see Jesus now, even with his own disciples, having to break down some of these barriers of thinking and I think we have it still in our minds, too, that we feel an unworthiness. Have you ever met someone, or maybe you felt this way before, that, you know, I, I can't go to church. You know, it'll get struck by lightning. You know how many people I've talked with that said, I can't come to church because God's going to, like, punish the building because I walk into it. And people actually, like, think that way. And we have to unpack that a little bit. No, no, God's not going to strike the building with lightning. You'll be okay. It's still, it's still okay to come into the church. No, no, no. Here's what I need to do. I need to get my stuff in order. I got to get my life ready. I got I to do these following things before I feel like I can then, what, come into God's presence or, or engage with the love and grace of Jesus. Scripture reminds us of this. While we were still yet sinners... While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that proves God's love for us. As much as we want to live into the unworthiness of our lives to be in God's presence, Jesus deals with it. You think this was the first time? I wonder if Jesus was like, Peter, this ain't my first rodeo, my friend. And they're like, what's a rodeo? He's like, go to Wyoming, you'll figure it out. No, right. I know how to deal with this stuff. It's totally okay. Now, this is what he says to him. This is what he says. Do not be afraid. Wow. How many times does Jesus, how many times do we hear that in the Bible? Don't be afraid. Be not afraid. Relax. Chill out. That's kind of the more contemporary version. But right, don't fear. He feared God's presence. And the astonishment. He was astonished. And he responded in fear. See, sometimes the reason why we don't invite Jesus into our boats is not for the fear that God won't show up. Sometimes, right, we, we can understand, I don't want to bother God with this. This, this is too menial, this is too little for God. I don't want to bother God with this. So I'm not going to invite God into this. This is too ordinary for God. So I'm not going to involve God into this. I'm not going to invite God into my boat on this. But what I found too, friends, is not just for the fear that God won't show up. The reason we don't invite Jesus into our boat is the fear that he will. We fear the astonishment of God. We know enough about God that when God shows up, he's going to do something. And maybe you don't want your boat rocked. Maybe we're like Peter and we're like, I got the fishing down, you know, Lord, I got it. You stay over there. I know what I'm doing here. Uh, can I get in your boat? Sure. Go, you're, do your thing. Hey, let's just go a little bit further out so I can talk to people. Sounds good. I'm going to stay over here, men in the nets. Hey, why don't you get in it with me? And let's go out into deep water. And let's, let's drop the nets. Let's have some fun. Time out. Hold on. Where are you going with this? 
Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let him take you just a little deeper today or to say, watch me do this. You see, what was Peter's boat? Well, it was his work. I mean, what would Jesus, what would it look like for Jesus to show up your work tomorrow morning? Hey, can I sit down in your office? Can I like mess with your laptop? Can I fill out this report? Because that's what you're probably saying to me. You're saying, preacher, you don't know anything about my work. Because you're a preacher, you don't work. Right? So, but what would it look like for Jesus to show up into your work? Or into the everydayness of your life? Because I know some of you are retired today, and you're probably just as busy as those who are working. You got schedules, you got appointments, you're running here and there, you're doing stuff every day. And we're like, Jesus, I got my rhythm, I've got my schedule. What would it be like if Jesus showed up and it's like, hey, instead of going here, I want us to go just over here. No, 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 I know what I'm doing with my life. This is where I go. Every Tuesday afternoon, I do this. In my work, I know how to do this. You stay in your lane over there. No, 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 can I just get in? Can we just go a little bit? Oh, let's just go deep now and let's let down the nets. And when the astonishment of God is made real in your life, the truth is, friends, you don't have to fear. Because that's what God specializes in. Doing that which is astonishing in the midst of the everydayness of our lives. To take even a normal boat, a normal vocation, a normal everyday part of life and do something incredible with it. And here's this final part that I love so much. Peter, I want you to fish. Yeah, 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 I know how to fish. I've been doing this my whole life, Jesus. I'm really good at it. I know how to do it. I know how to fish. Uh, I, 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 got all the, I got all the supplies. I got all the tools. I got everything that I need. I want you to fish. Hold on. I know you're enthusiastic. Hold on a second, buddy. I want you to fish for people. Hmm. Isn't that what Jesus does with our lives, that you may still do your X, Y, Z vocation. You may still have those same rhythms of your everydayness of life. But what Jesus will do when we allow him into our boats is he will change the outcome of those things. He will take all of your gifts and your personality, your experience and all of your training, everything that makes you who you are, because Remember, who is the one who makes us? I love in the traditional version of this, when he says, I will make you fishers of men. Hear it again. I will make you fishers of men. One more time. I will make you. I will make you. He says here, I want you to fish. I can do that. For people. Okay. And I love how Jesus speaks into the everydayness of Peter's life in this moment. Can you imagine if Jesus is like, hey, Peter, I'm going to call you to be a pope. What? Never heard that word before. Yeah, 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 it doesn't really make sense, but it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a big thing one day, and they're going to call you it, okay? Just, just roll with it. You got it. Huh? It'd be the same way of saying, hey, why don't you jump from here to the other side of the room? Impossible, not going to do it, can't see it, don't understand it. And as much as we want to know everything about what we're saying yes or what we're signing up for, as much as we want to know what the next steps are going to be, this invitation to follow is an invitation to trust. Because the truth is, 
You don't want to know. I know you don't. If you came to me 25 years ago and you're like, Michael, this is what you're going to be doing. I'd be like, no, no way. That's impossible. That's why Jesus along the way said, Michael, can I get in your boat? Yeah, sure. Can we just go push out a little bit? Okay, I can do that. Uh, let's go out deep and drop down the nets. Hmm, hold on. Okay, but because you say so. No, 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 Lord, you, you don't want me. You don't want me. Don't be afraid, Michael. I want to change the outcome of all that I've given you to do this fishing thing. We're going to fish for people now. And they get to the shore. And that's when, hey, uh, Peter, you want to go? He leaves everything. He leaves everything. And he follows. Why? Because maybe there's something within us today that maybe we're not ready to have that bold step of faith to just go as much as we need to trust. Maybe Jesus needs to take you a step at a time. Maybe the invitation is simple today. Can I get in your boat? Can I get in your boat? Maybe you're aware of who Jesus is. So maybe it's easy to say, yes. So when Jesus asks to get into your boat, will you say yes? In each step of the way, follow. Let us pray. Lead us, Lord, and we'll follow. Thank you for the invitation to know you. And as much as we feel unworthy, you are the one who makes us worthy. For it is by grace that we've been saved through faith, which is indeed a gift. And therefore, no person can boast. So we don't boast in any of our accomplishments. In fact, sometimes our hearts might resonate Peter's words that says, Lord, we just can't. But this grace has changed us. This grace enables us to boldly come before your throne that in relationship with you, we pray, we live, we move, we work, we have our being, even in the everydayness of our lives, with you. Lord, help us to say yes, because you desire to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm sure if Jesus talked to Peter on the first day he met him in that region and explained to him a little bit about what the Feast of Unleavened Bread or what the Passover meal actually means, probably would have freaked him out a little bit. But after Peter followed along with the rest of the disciples on the night of which Jesus gave himself for us, he gathered with his disciples 
And he transformed some understandings of things, some things of how they used to look at the story of who they are. And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat. When you do this, remember me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, the cup of redemption during the Passover meal, and he shared it with his disciples, and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. When you drink this, remember me. This is my blood. Let us pray. We come to a table of grace that is prepared by your hand, Lord, yet we come and we acknowledge our need for it. Sometimes it's good to be reminded that we need you. So if our heart's connected with this idea about how you can't abide our presence, stir in us a desire to shine light upon our need, upon the dark places of our heart, upon our sin. Shine your light that we might be healed. So we confess that which has broken your heart, which has broken ours, which has hurt others, intentionally or unintentionally. We confess that which has led us to stray from the path, to miss the mark. Hear us. We remember the good news of Jesus Christ, that while we were still yet sinners, you died for us, and that proves your love for each one of us. So, Lord, we ask for you to pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice to make them be for us the very body of Christ so that we might be your body, a people who are redeemed by your blood, by your spirit. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry until you would come and we would all feast at your heavenly banquet table. And all honor and glory and power is yours, almighty God, as we worship. Come and give your grace and your presence in this sacred, mysterious sacrament. In this moment, meet with us in the bread and in the cup. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We acknowledge that we are a one bread, one body people, particularly today, as Pastor Scott said, on World Communion Sunday. But in our COVID-19 reality, you each have the bread and the cup, but we're gonna take it together as one. So just a little bit of instruction, the very top layer, if you peel that off, you'll see there is the bread. Now, please wait and we'll take the bread together, okay? If you need assistance, Please reach out, and Pastor Scott or Deb will be able to help you with this, okay?
Do we all have our bread? Need some help? Okay. This is the body of Christ given for you with brothers and sisters around the world. Take and eat in remembrance of him. Amen. This is the cup for you, friends. If you're able, please take and we can peel this back as well. We'll wait just one moment to make sure everyone has it so we might take it together. Does everyone have the cup? This is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. With brothers and sisters around the world, take and drink in remembrance of him. Amen. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, in the bread and in the cup, we've discovered your presence and grace. It's a mystery to us, yet this feeds our souls. We thank you for the opportunity to remember that we're together. Even though we're social distanced, we're together when we take this meal. So thank you for the gift to be able to share in a moment of grace together as the body of Christ. We know, Lord, that we can face the future unafraid because we know that you'll invite us each step at a time and each day by your mercy. Give us the strength we need to follow, the grace to walk with you and your presence that leads the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.